There's the reality of the ultimate sacrifice. It's so close to home. At our house, he is the known. Sometimes you just gotta use the right thing. Hey everybody, what's happening? Welcome to That VoiceOver Podcast. I'm Stephen Cox. My guest, Bob Sauer, is living proof that you can actually make it in the voiceover business no matter where you're located. Uh, Bob lives in Pittsburgh, which as we talk about, uh, he and I, it's not a hotbed of voiceover activity, but he talks a lot about how he keeps his voiceover career on track. So if you happen to be listening to this program and you're not located in, say, Los Angeles or New York or Chicago, go. Uh, take note, there's some good stuff for you in here. Also, Bob writes one of the most popular blogs on the internet about voiceover, uh, which you may already be familiar with. Uh, if not, you can find it at bobsour.com. Don't worry, uh, I'll provide a link for that on the site so you'll have the spelling and everything else. So, without further ado, here's my talk with Bob. Bob Sour, welcome to that voiceover podcast. And I'm delighted to be here, Stefan. Now, on your site, you list yourself as a professional storyteller. Uh, you also say on your site that you're the second nicest guy in voiceover. So that begs the question, who's the nicest? It's too painful. I can't talk about it. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll let, we'll let people guess for themselves. So you started in music originally, in opera, yeah. uh, before you transferred into voiceover. Uh, what, was, what was that like? And what are some of the things about uh, professional singing that have translated into voiceover for you? Well, I never became a professional singer, so I suppose we should clear that up. Okay, studied, you trained as one. Let's, let's yeah, say that. I, I yeah, did, I did uh, train to be an opera singer, and actually uh, that was a sort of watershed moment, though I didn't know it at the time. I was a senior in college, um, and my, um, my regular vocal coach had taken a sabbatical that year, so I had a, I had a different coach that year. And she um, approached me one day, and or when I came to a lesson, she said, I have arranged for you to have a audition with Boris Goldovsky, who is a vocal coach at the Metropolitan Opera in New York. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And uh, he's going to be doing a master class here in Chicago. I was going to college in Chicago. And she said, uh, he's going to be here in Chicago to do a master class in a few weeks. And um, he's an old friend of mine, and I've told him about you, and I think you're ready. And I really think you should do this audition. And so I began to ask her what is going to happen if he likes me. You know, if he didn't like me, it'd be pretty obvious I'd either have to keep studying or figure out something else to do with my life. But what happens if he likes me? And what I learned, not only from my conversation with her, but from talking to other people in the music department at the school, was you're probably going to have to move to Europe for about 20 years, live in obscurity, eating very you know, <laughs> living a very meager life, scratching out an existence as a, as a uh, understudy opera singer. Mm. And um, if you get a good reputation and you learn the repertoire well, eventually you might be able to move back to the States in about 20 years and make a living as an opera singer. And that just didn't sound very palatable to you at the time. Well, it did not. And I had gotten married the prior year. Um, so I was, uh, newly married and the idea of dragging my wife and me, you know, across the ocean to live on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for 20 years didn't sound terribly appealing. And 
I later learned they don't have peanut butter in Europe. It's an American invention. I was going to say, maybe it'd be like <laughs> Nutella and baguettes or something yes, like that. It yeah. was going to be jelly sandwiches. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So so after you sort of decided against uh, going going that direction, actually, before we yeah. move on from that, uh, I'm just guessing by your, your vocal range, baritone, was that what you were saying? Yes, correct. Okay. It was a baritone, and I sang ba- bass and choir, and, um, and baritone as a soloist. And so I, I said, you know what, I, with the following week, I came back after uh, thinking about it, praying about it, and talking with my wife about it, and we decided, you know what, this is not the direction we want to go. So I canceled the audition without ever doing it. And it turned out to be really a watershed thing, because I had spent all these years, more than 10 years, studying to be an opera singer. But you know what, it's interesting, the reality is I haven't wasted any of that stuff, because learning to, um, well, the projection, I suppose, you know, hitting the <laughs> hitting the notes that can be heard in the back of the theater probably doesn't come in very much in voiceover. But everything else, in terms of line, in terms of structure, in terms of uh, phrasing, all of that stuff is useful to me every day. And as, indeed, in terms of the storytelling that you talk about, too, as an opera singer, very seldom do you sing in English. You're singing in Italian, you're singing right. in German. So you have to be really focused on telling a story uh, in a language, oftentimes particularly for American audiences, that they may not necessarily be understanding. So storytelling is very important there, I would imagine. Exactly. And that, I think, is a lot of the the fundamental reason, the reason I call myself a professional storyteller is, first of all, I am a professional, that is, I get paid to do this, hmm. but it's this, it, it is a, um, I wanted to find a way to say voiceover uh, without saying voiceover, because just about everybody who is a male doing voiceovers, um, that's probably an overgeneralization, but it seems awfully common you run into, you know, the voice of choice or some other kind of stock phrase that's badly overused. And I'm sorry if I'm insulting somebody. I don't mean to. I just mean I wanted to do something off the beaten path at least a little bit. And at the same time, I wanted to be able to sort of give somebody a shorthand for this kind of voiceovers I do. I'm not a movie trailer guy. I'm not a, um, uh, there's an awful lot of people today who are um, young or relatively young and hip. I don't have a particularly hip sounding voice. You know, again, because of all those years of study, my voice is fairly large. And um, like you said, baritone, you don't see those on specs a lot. So I wanted to give people a handle for how to describe me or understand what I was going to sound like even before they listened to my demos. So that was the point of, of using the storyteller. And you have managed to carve a, a niche for yourself in, in, that, uh, in that realm, which, as you say, uh, these days more and more, it seems like, ironically, in the voiceover world, having a great sonorous uh, deep rich voice is sometimes a liability as you know yeah. uh, specs that we get in the voiceover world they're always talking conversational guy next door non-announcery so taking that from the storyteller aspect um, 
Break that down a little bit more in terms of how that applies to you and your particular style. Um, we're asked to, for example, we're asked to read a lot of dry copy, uh, occasionally mm-hmm. with, you know, um, uh, industrials, things like that, things that are mm-hmm. not terribly sexy. Um, how do you find the story within those uh, pieces of copy? Sure. Well, you know, for everybody, I, I do a lot of e-learning stuff. And for the person who is sitting there watching and listening to the e-learning thing, trying to, in my case, for instance, a, a recent project project I worked on last night was for the paving industry in California. Precisely my point. Uh, <laughs> very, very dry industry. Yeah. Yes. And, and uh, but for the guy who is working in that industry and trying to up his game, and so he's taking this e-learning course or whatever it might be, um, it is important to him. So my goal is always to find a way to describe whatever it is that we're talking about, whether it's, uh, you know, laying concrete pavement in California on I-15 or whatever it is. Um, it's to find a way to describe what it is that we're doing in a way that is hopefully engaging and interesting and not reading it in a sort of dry and monotone way, but telling this information in a way that, that presents it um, engagingly and interestingly. Now, obviously, I don't want to you know, talk about the paving industry in California in a way that sounds ridiculously overdone either, um, because that would actually be off-putting or, or distracting, but simply describing things in a way that, uh, that makes sense and that is uh, keeping in mind it's important to the person who's listening and watching, uh, regardless of whether it's something I'm actually going to be doing. In fact, I often say when people talk to me about uh, doing voiceovers professionally, I often use the phrase, it's much better than working for a living. I grew up on a farm <laughs> in Minnesota. And, you know, pitching manure and uh, baling hay and uh, putting up the oats for the winter and and harvesting the corn and all of those kinds of things that I did when I was a kid were hard work. And uh, I'd much rather sit in the studio talking about hard work. Well, you've you've definitely had uh, a more sort of rural version of what most of us have had, but comparing notes with uh, pretty much all of my colleagues in this business, we've all done some pretty, pretty crappy jobs over our uh, life. And and, and I I say uniformly that the minute I started doing voiceover, I haven't worked a day in my life. In fact, and I'll I'll share a story with you, Ernie Anderson, who was the voice of ABC in The Love Boat from many, many years, uh, somebody had asked him as he was kind of getting up there, they said, well, you know, uh, are you thinking about retiring? And he goes, retire from what? You know, <laughs> so he, he felt the same way. Now, so so you're talking about uh, storytelling uh, in, in some particularly dry areas. Uh, Don LaFontaine always said it was important to fall in love with the copy. Yeah. Uh, you're saying it's really important to talk to one person and connect with that person. Correct. Yeah, and because the person or group of people, but in every case, you know, it's it, we all experience these things, whether we're sitting in a movie theater, uh, you know, with a group of people or we're sitting with a family watching television or whether we're driving in the car listening to the radio or listening to a podcast, uh, you know, at the computer or uh, walking, whatever it is, we all experience these things one at a time. Each of us is inside of our own skin. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to communicate in a way that makes sense to the person for whom it's important. 
um, because it is important to whomever it is, regardless of the level of importance, you know, to me personally, uh, it is important to whomever is experiencing it, whether it's in a work or a play context. It's still important. You just became a full-time voiceover actor a year ago in 2009. I want to say congratulations to that. It sounds Thank like you. you had quite a circuitous route to get there, but it's a great feeling, I think, it to is. be able to, to, to do that, isn't it? It is. It is. And, you know, honestly, um, you know, looking at it from a sheer uh, business point of view, I had already been working full-time as a voice talent for several years I just still had a day job too and honestly you know I waited until um, I've been studying with Maurice Tobias for um, a few years and her first advice to me when I said I really want to be able to do this um, solo and not be working the day job she said wait until everybody well she used a more salty term but anyway wait until everybody's angry with you and um, uh, you've ticked everybody off, and then you'll know that you've reached the point where you can actually do this uh, solo. <laughs> I, I wasn't really trying to tick anybody off, but I had literally reached the point where I was so busy, I, I couldn't keep doing my day job and my voiceover work. And I was very thankful that, that the work kept coming and the momentum kept building. Um, and so once I reached that point, I, w I was... I'm not exaggerating. I was only sleeping five hours a day, even on the weekends. That's uh, that, and that that included the job that you were doing in addition to voiceover. Correct. I was working for the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association as their senior producer in the radio department, doing a lot of voiceovers for other parts. I was the the voice of the phone system at the Billy Graham Association. I was uh, I did voiceovers for their television programs as well as um, radio uh, for the website. I was all over the place. And um, so I was doing voiceovers for them uh, as well as writing and producing. But uh, uh, in addition to that, I had clients all over the world and, you know, things would come in. Can we have this by next week? Sure. Whether it was an e-learning thing or a corporate narration or a web piece or whatever and I'd try to uh, super serve my clients. I, I, uh, my last name is Sauer. And so as, as kind of a play on that, I always talked about uh, leaving a sweet taste in the mouth of my clients. <laughs> and, um, um, you know, when you, when you uh, exceed people's expectations and uh, do things that solve their problems, um, they tend to remember you and want to work with you again. And uh, that's... And that's a big part of, of this business is relationships. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I should mention to people who are listening right now, uh, we're talking via a Skype connection. I'm in New York and Bob is in Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh is not known to be a hub of voiceover activity. <laughs> uh, just quite frankly, it isn't. And, and you know, most people who are, are, are in the voiceover game are in either Chicago, Los Angeles or New York. Uh, how do you stay as busy as you do outside of one of the major markets? markets like that? Well, you know, the internet has changed everything. And of course, Skype being an internet application makes it possible for us to have this conversation without being physically in the same room. Um, and ISDN, uh, which isn't an internet, although it was used for internet service uh, for a while, but it's too slow now. But, uh, you know, uh, with ISDN and uh, Source Connect and uh, phone patches, and Skype connections like this, 
People can be anywhere and talk to me. I can record. I can deliver the audio. But how do you go about getting the jobs, I guess, is what I'm, I'm, I'm asking about. 80 to 90% of my work is not auditioned for. It's just work that comes to me because either I already have a relationship with these people and they know they can rely on me, or um, they found me, uh, again, by a referral or by searching on the Internet. And, um, and they hire me without, uh, you know, either off of my demos or uh, just from having a conversation with me. I don't, I don't know exactly how to answer the question because, um, you know, at the end of the day, the work comes in frequently. I start the week with nothing in my calendar. Uh, this week was an example of that. I had uh, zero jobs lined up. By the end of the day on Monday, I had um, a session booked at a studio here in Pittsburgh on Thursday um, and three other jobs that came in during the day on Monday for things that needed to be done by Wednesday. Um, those were all taken care of either on Monday or Tuesday. Um, E-learning projects or web videos, um, corporate narrations, uh, you know, um, by the end of the week, uh, several hundred, few thousand dollars have rolled in and, well. and we go on to the next week. Uh, uh, you know, audition, I do audition for commercials and, and book them from time to time. I, um, I'm happy to do those. Um, now do you, do you have an agent? I do. I actually have several agents. You have, I have okay. an agent here in Pittsburgh and they have a branch office in Cleveland. Um, I have an agent in Denver for whom I do a fair amount of work. Uh, in fact, I got an, an email from her yesterday saying, um, uh, what's your avails for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday because uh, you're you're in the short list for a, a project. And then I got another email from her later saying, they went with somebody else, but you were so close. Hmm. Which, um, you know, I mean, I'm not... We right. all know that feeling, Bob. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the interesting thing is a fair amount of the time that's also, uh, you know, I work with sunspots um, and and with soundscapes and with um, those are the the only two sort of online um, production houses that I work with much. I I do only union work with uh, Studio Center, and that hasn't uh, led to a lot at this point because a lot of what they do is non-union and they work mostly exclusively with people who do non-union stuff. But you do keep your profile regularly uh, pretty high, mostly, I would say, due to your extremely popular voiceover blog. Um, you started that in 2005. It has one of the biggest blog yeah. roles on voiceover uh, out there. Um, what was the reason for starting the, starting the voiceover blog? In 2004, I got interested in blogging as sort of a general thing, both by because of some reading that I was doing and also because of uh, meeting a couple of people who had been blogging for a little while. And I really wrestled with, okay, if I'm going to do a blog, what am I going to do it about? And ultimately, I decided I might as well do it about something I'm passionate about and that's useful for my business. And so I settled on blogging about voiceover. And at that time, there were very few people blogging about voiceover. Um, but I made up my mind that I would add to my blog role every voiceover blog I could find. And so over the years, I, you know, it's sprouted into quite this <laughs> large list. 
Um, but it was intentional on my part to try to link, regardless whether anybody ever linked back to me. Um, I just decided I would link to everybody I could find who was blogging about voiceover and, um, and to write about my own experiences and also intentionally to be generous. I, I decided that, you know, if somebody's looking for a voice and they find a link on my site that uh, leads them to the voice they're looking for, in other words, they end up with somebody not me, whether it's a male or a female, it doesn't matter, um, it's not going to hurt me if they find a voice through my site. So I just decided to be generous to put spotlights on other people. And the remarkable thing is, I, in fact, uh, just uh, Monday I, I blogged about uh, all the fun thing that I'm doing directly as a result of a recommendation from another male voiceover talent. I'm doing the, um, the web voiceovers for the weekly recaps for Princeton University football. And um, those... Those came because of a friend of mine who's there in New York, Anthony Mendez, who suggested that I um, send an email to the guy who's uh, who was casting the, the voices for that. Uh, Anthony, for whatever reason, was passing on the job. I don't know if it was because of the budget or because of uh, a conflict. I, it doesn't matter. Um, in the last number of years, I've, I've done an amazing amount of work because it was referred to me by other voiceover people, males and females. Well, that's, and, that's one of the laws of the, uh, the karmic universe. What goes around comes around. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing a good turn and you're getting some in, in, in return. And, you know, I can say, I know for a fact that in the last two years, over $100,000 worth of voiceover work has been done by my friends, whom I have referred for work as well. So, it, yeah, it does go both ways. I'm, I'm very happy to refer other people, and I'm grateful for the times when other people refer me. A pretty popular blog that you wrote uh, a couple months ago talked about fear and anxiety. Mm. So I want to ask you, what would you say to someone who is just looking to start a career in voiceover but is feeling fearful and anxious about it? Well, first of all, it's probably an appropriate emotion. And, you know, I, I get people contacting me all the time about how can I get started working in voiceover. Um, the first thing you need to know is uh, voiceover is a wonderful way to make money. It's a terrible way to make money quickly. I'm In fact, I don't know anybody who's A, starting in voiceover and B, making a good living at it. Uh, unless they're already really established as a performer in some other way. Uh, they might be a musician or an actor or uh, you know whatever and they've already got an established career and therefore they're in demand to do voiceovers yeah you can make some pretty decent money doing voiceovers very quickly if you already have that but if you're just starting out from some other point um, you gotta work at it and you gotta figure I mean look it took me 26 years from the time I started working professionally in voiceover to the time that I walked away from my day job now I could have done it sooner I could have easily made that transition at a different point in my life. But I was married and I had kids and I was the sole provider. My wife's a full-time homemaker and uh, loves being a mom and, um, and my wife. And for that, I'm very grateful because uh, I love having her as my wife. But um, she does not have a job outside the home because that was the choice that we made together. And so it was up to me to provide the income for the family. 
Um, so I took it very carefully and very slowly. Other people are going to be able to make those transitions much more quickly than I did, but it isn't going to happen in a few weeks and probably not in a few months. Uh, I have a couple of friends who, uh, one who has been doing voiceovers for a long time and um, had a, a really tough season not terribly long ago, um, in part because... Um, of making some choices not to um, aggressively continue to pursue new work. And so ongoing work began to diminish because, you know, that's the inevitable thing. No matter how frequently somebody hires you, eventually they either go out of business or they move on or, you know, things change. Sure. Um, and uh, fortunately, through uh, in part through recommendations that I made and through other choices, made uh, that has turned around and there's some some real growth going on another friend of mine um, was working like I was in a corporate job and um, um, ended up getting downsized a year and a half ago just about exactly the same time I mean within I think eight days of the day that I gave my notice and walked away from my day job um, she was laid off from her job um, you know, so it's been a year and a half, and yes, she's made some money, but it's been a struggle. Um, fortunately, she had been very carefully saving up money, preparing for the day to make that transition, so she hasn't, um, you know, she hasn't starved. But, you know, if you're not prepared, and if you're not willing to work really hard, and if you're not willing to build relationships with people and super serve them and find ways to begin to establish relationships, ongoing relationships with clients who will hire you multiple times, uh, it's going to be very tough. And above all, like you say, be patient. Correct. You're not going to put a demo up on Voice123 or Voices.com or Bidalgo or one of the other sites, uh, Voice Hunter or whatever. You're not going to put a demo up on there and suddenly start raking in money. It just simply doesn't happen that way but over time as you are living proof uh it can be done absolutely it can and like i said it's a wonderful way well you know it's a wonderful way to make a living and um i mean i would not go back listen if uh whether it was the billy graham association or anybody else i've ever worked for or any other corporation i'm happy to do voiceovers for you but you would have to pay me a lot of money to get me to go back to working in an office somewhere. Well, those are perfect closing <laughs> words for this segment. Bob Sauer, I want to thank you so much for joining us on that voiceover podcast. Thank you, Stefan. It's been a pleasure. That voiceover podcast is a co-production of Half Full and Get Creative Inc. Thanks for listening. I'm Stefan Cox.